0: Good morning, Harlem. All around, all around. It's good to see everybody. Uh, and it's good to be seen, my sister. Well, why don't we go to word, go to God with the word of prayer, and we're going to jump right into our message for today. Uh, Heavenly Father God, we're so grateful to uh, be able to come before you this morning and. Father, we ask that you will help us to worship you in spirit and truth. I pray, Father, that my words will be your words, that your spirit will lead my words as we look into the life of Joshua, as we uh, pull some lessons from his life, God, and and pray. I pray that we can add them to our own lives and our own faith, God, that we'll find uh, reasons to be courageous, reasons to face the challenges that lie before us with faith, and reasons to trust in your holy power working in our lives. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you will be with all those who are sick and ailing, God, at this time, and all those who are hurting for uh, various reasons, God. We pray that you'll bring healing to them and their families, God. We love and thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The title of my message this morning is, These Walls Will Fall. These Walls Will Fall. You know, being a Christian takes a lot of courage. Especially nowadays, it takes a lot of courage to stand up for Jesus. But whenever God wanted to reclaim land for his people, whenever God wanted to break the chains of oppression, he always sent spiritual warriors to do it. God sent Saul to the Ammonites. He sent David to the Philistines. He sent Gideon to the Midianites. And we know how Gideon was called. He was hiding in the winepress while all the world was falling apart around him. Joshua, he sent to the Canaanites and then the judges. And today, God sends his church to reclaim his land. You know, some people like Gideon, who didn't start off like a warrior, but gained the warrior spirit because he was inspired by God. And I hope and pray this morning that I can reawaken the warrior spirit in us this morning. I think we can all agree that we are in a spiritual battle. Sometimes are worse than others. There are days where we're in the heat of battle. And then there are times when we're just paralyzed by the fog of war. We don't know which way to turn. There's so much going on. We don't know what to do. And it just seems like we're, we're caught up in a fog. But because we're in a spiritual war, we have to use spiritual weapons to do battle in this war. Ephesians 6 tells us that we need to put on the armor of God, and that can, you can go back and study that and what, those, uh, what that is. But we have to have a fighter spirit. When I think about Harlem, I think about a community of fighters. I'm talking about men and women who fought literally for their families to stay together. I'm thinking about parents who fought for their children. I think about people who fight to stay in Harlem. I'm thinking about people who fought to find balance in their life between education, working a full-time job, and being a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. I think about a community of people who fought back from defeat, only to stand firm again in their faith. We are a community of fighters. You can't tell me there aren't spiritual warriors in church today. Romans 8 says it better than I can. Causes more than conquerors. How many conquerors do we have in the, in the room today? I mean, you got to give God the glory. How many victories has God done in your life? We have people in this room who have conquered addiction. We have people in this room who conquered death. We have people in this room who conquered debt. We have people in this room who conquered spiritual ignorance, who conquered sin, who are here today. And you may not feel like a warrior, but you are a warrior in God's eyes. (laughs) Gideon did not believe. When when God sent an angel to speak to him, he said, who are you talking to? His introduction, mighty warrior. He couldn't see it in himself. He was hiding. He was discouraged. He was defeated. He was let down. He said, we're our leaders. Where are all the men that's supposed to be leading us against this enemy. He, was, he, he, he basically was on the verge of quitting. But God sent an angel to send him a message. Mighty warrior, I want you to do something about it. What if God is calling you to do something today? How are you going to respond to God's vision for you? We are conquerors. We are warriors. And there is a battle that needs to be won and fought by spiritual warriors. Far too long. Some of us have been complacent while a battle rages on around us. And like the Israelites wandered around a fruitless desert for 40 years, waiting to die, some of us are just letting life pass us by. But God is calling you to pick up your sword and and charge it to the battle. You know, this is not who we are in in the eyes of God. God called us to be soldiers. God called us to be fighters. And we fight for the very things that we get to enjoy in life. We don't we don't attain things easily. And when we do, we don't often appreciate them. We appreciate the things we had to work hard for. I don't know about you, but when I can get a, uh, you know, like Macy's, you know, I don't like, you know, promoting stuff. But look, brothers, Macy's got a sale on for suits, $99. I went pick two of them up. Brother needs me, yeah, I can get some suits, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to appreciate those suits because I work hard. I work hard. Now, if you get something that you didn't work hard for, you don't really appreciate. You know how when you save up for something and it's like, oh, and you just can't wait to get it. Whether it's an outfit, you know, you put on, remember layaway, how we used to put things on layaway? And when you finally went up to that counter with that ticket and you got that whatever it is on lay, you felt great. And then you took it home, and then you opened it up, and it's like, man, it looked better a month ago than it does today. But anyway, amen. I'm going to appreciate this. Right? But when we get things that we didn't really work for, you don't really appreciate it as much. You don't. And see, God wants every person in this room to believe in the real them, in the real you. You're a conqueror. In God's eyes. You know, every every time I come to church, I'm reminded of brothers and sisters who have conquered physical challenges. I think about my sister, Margaret Martinez, who's had multiple surgeries, and that sister comes to church faithfully. She's conquering her physical challenges to worship God. I mean, that's, you know, some of us, that may seem like, oh, yeah, brother, I do that every, look, some of us had to conquer our alarm clock this morning just to get here. But we all have the potential to be great heroes of the faith. Gideon, David, Joshua, these are all regular men and women. All regular, Deborah, all regular people that God called to just step up to the vision he had already had for them. Joshua 1, verses 5 through 9, it's going to take courage for us to face the walls that lie before us. When Moses had died, he passed the torch to his assistant, Joshua. And it was Joshua's responsibility to take God's people to the promised land. Because if you remember the story, the Israelites that God had rescued out of Egypt, had brought them and freed them from slavery, complained against God. And instead of worshiping the true God, they made for themselves an idol. And God said, enough is enough. Every single one of you, this generation, this unbelieving generation, is going to die, and you are not going to enter into the promised land, but your children will. And even Moses himself became so frustrated with the faithlessness of the people, the rebelliousness of them, that he got angry. And God told Moses, you will not enter the promised land because you disobeyed me, but you will see it from from afar. See, God is serious about his plan because he knows that his plan works. And when God calls us to do something, he's only asking us to bring to the table a little bit of courage. Listen to what he says here in Joshua chapter 1 verse 5. Joshua 1 verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know when I went when I first went into the full-time ministry someone shared this passage with me. And depending on where you're at in your faith and your courage, you can even you can either take heart and be like, "Yes, I can do this." Or you can be terrified by how many times they said, "Take courage. Be strong." At one point God said, "Be very courageous." And I'm thinking, "Okay, The first time you had me, I'm I'm excited, I'm fine, I'm ready to go. But the fact that you kept mentioning, be strong and courageous, now you got me a little worried. Especially that time you said, be very courageous. Why do I have to be very courageous? What am I getting into? You see, Joshua had no idea what lie before. They went, they spied out the land, they knew That the people were gigantic. They knew that they had a great army. They knew that they were facing a walled city. That's all they knew. And so God had to come and remind him, don't worry about this. I got you. The victory is in your hands. Just do what I ask you to do. You see, even though we know that God has already given us the victory, we still need to be encouraged. We still need to be strong and steadfast in our faith to receive the reward that lies on the other side. He still had to face this great wall city. When I looked up the word courage, I like this definition: says that courage is the ability to do something that frightens you. It's pushing past your fears. What have you done lately? that frightens you. That's being courageous. You know, I go fishing every year, and I got I got turned on to fishing by a gentleman I was actually studying the Bible with 16, 17 years ago. And he asked me if I ever went fishing. I said, no. He said, James, all right, you're teaching me the word. I'm going to teach you how to fish. And so he took me right down to 125th Street Pier. This is before it got all glamorized and modernized. There was actually a bait and tackle shop that used to be right near where the old uh, barbecue place was, the dinosaur barbecue. We went there. We bought some blood worms. He took me down to the water, and we fished. And I caught my first fish ever. That was from land. It's easy to fish from land. I am terrified of open water. I don't like to go to the beach because it's hot and I don't like sand getting everywhere, but I also don't like to go out there in the ocean because I know it's out there. (laughs) So the thought of being on a boat that can actually sink and me being out there with everything else that I know is out there is not encouraging to me. So every time I get on a boat and I go two hours out to fish, I'm conquering a fear, a deep-seated fear in my life. And I go often... And I go out and I fish. And I conquer a fear. You see, we have it in us. We have the ability to conquer fear in us. We just have to take a step of courage. See, God is calling Joshua to face the unknown. Some of us are terrified about our future. We don't know what our life is going to be like 5, 10, 15 years from now. And that frightens us. And God is saying, be strong. Be courageous, stay in the word, meditate on it. Why? Because it will remind you of who I am. See, God wanted, he wanted Joshua to remember who he is. So he told him, look at the law. It will remind you of who I am. Meditate on it. Don't let it depart. It will give you faith. You know, I asked myself this question the other day. What do you think is the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges in our church. And I prayed long and hard. And I thought about it. And I'm thinking, man, you know, there's some obvious challenges, but what do I feel is a challenge that we haven't really identified and attacked? And God put on my heart cowardice. Think about this. When was the last time you confessed? cowardice. In Revelation 128, cowardice is right there on the list of the sins that will not allow us to get into heaven. Murders, liars, and cowards. And I thought about that for a long time. I thought, wow, this is is pretty deep stuff because no one wants to confess cowardice because it's embarrassing, especially for men. I can't remember the last time a brother confessed cowardice to me or the last time I confessed cowardice to another person. Now, call me prideful, call me arrogant, call me selfish, but don't call me a coward. Call me anything but a coward. That just have a, it just has this. This thing to it. You know, men don't want to be known as cowards. So why we, we act a certain way. We carry our, ourselves a certain way. We, don't be, we almost rather be called prideful than to be called cowards. Now, just because you have a cowardice moment doesn't mean you're a coward. I just told you what's in us. Everybody has a moment where they give into to fear. I'm not talking about never being afraid. I'm not talking about never, never having something that intimidates you. What I'm talking about is allowing something to keep you trapped. To keep you from moving forward. You got to ask yourself, why am I not moving forward? Is it because I'm not smart enough? I don't think so. Is it because I'm not spiritual enough? I doubt that. Maybe it's just that you're afraid. Maybe you're just afraid. And I believe that if we can be strong and courageous and push past that, we'll see God take us to heights that we've never experienced before in our walk with God. Two times, Joshua had to show courage. First was at the wall, and the second was at the fall. We're going to look at the wall, and we're going to look at the fall. We got some Bible to read, people. Amen. Y- y- y'all all right with that, right? I think that's what we do in church, right? We read the Bible. All right, amen. Let's look at the fall. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Amaudi put me at the end of the service, so you got to stay awake. <laughs> I'm like, how many souls there? But we were, we agreed. We agreed. I like to pick on Amaudi. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1, listen to what it says. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. Doesn't it feel sometimes like New York is just a walled city? Like like people are just shut up in their own lives. You can't get to anybody. I mean, no one wants to let you in and, 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 and open up their hearts, open up their lives to let you in. It, it feels like that sometimes, right? Verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king and his fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. With the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have all the people give a loud shout then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. These guys were worshiping around the wall. But Joshua had commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the people returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching around the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guards followed the ark of the Lord when the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Now at what point would you have said, James, what are we doing? Bro, Chris is losing his voice. The par singers are tired. My feet hurt. It's hot out here in this desert. We've been walking around this city for six days. What's the plan? Guess what? That is the plan. Now, I've read this story Millions of times, exaggerated, but a lot of times, and every time I come to the same conclusion, what kind of plan is this? We even go as far as imitating now in campus ministry. We march around our campuses because we're hoping for the walls of pride to fall, right? We walk around, and then we, we pray, and we're like, okay. And I'm thinking, what kind of plan is that? But Joshua never complained once, and neither did the people. And so on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet, Blas Joshua commanded the people, shout, For the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that's in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Remember that point. We're going to come back to that. All that in the city are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble On it, everybody in church heard the same message. Everybody. He said this to all the people. Is this clear to you? Do not touch the devoted things or you're going to bring trouble on the rest of the people. What often happens in church? Sometimes someone or a few tunes out the message. or maybe our hearts just not where it needs to be and God gives his plan and it works when we all buy into the plan when the trumpet sounded the people shouted and at the sound of the trumpet when the people gave a large a loud shout the wall collapsed Imagine being there on that day, having all those feelings treasured up in your heart, trusting the plan of God, trusting your leader, Joshua, even though it didn't make any sense, and watching those walls collapse. These walls had been up hundreds of years before Joshua was even born. These walls were strong. These were not ordinary walls. They had withstood, they withstood every attack that came before this day. But the walls didn't come down because the people shouted and had a fantastic worship service. The walls came down because they obeyed God and God tore the walls down. So, what does that tell us about God's plan? It works. It works. Sometimes we may find ourselves wondering if there's a better plan. When we look at what's going on around our city and our society today, we want there to be a plan. We want something to be done. And God is doing something. God has done something. Steve got up here and told us what God had done. He died on the cross. He sent his son to be salvation for the world. That was his plan. Do you still believe in his plan? I don't think we're all convinced. God's plan was Matthew 18, 28 to 20. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go make disciples. His plan is man. The walls fell after the people raised their voices. Now imagine if Joshua had decided... This is a ridiculous plan. And he had not raised his voice and remained silent. Those walls would have stood right where they're at. You see, sometimes we make philosophical arguments for why we don't want to share our faith. Or why when the church has some sort of outreach effort that we can't do it. There's always a philosophical reason. And we talk ourselves out of being strong and courageous because we don't like the plan. It's just too simple. Walk around the city and and shout? That's too simple. It's ridiculous and it's simple. It's not working. It's outdated. It's old school. The last time I checked, God doesn't exist in time and so God cannot be old school or new school. So, when God gives us a plan, it's going to outlive you and your children and your children's children because it works. I don't think we're convinced. Look in Revelation chapter 12. You see, we have walls right now in our city that need to come down, we have walls in our society that are erected by Satan that need to come down, and God's plan works. Revelation 12, verse 7 through 11. It says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come to salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and get this, by the word of their testimony. How did they defeat Satan? The blood of Jesus... And the word of their testimony, the gospel, the good news, that's how we overcome. That's how we tear down these walls. God's plan works. It worked before we were even here. And it continues to work today. We need to trust God. Just as Joshua had to trust God knew he knew Joshua had to be would have to be strong and courageous he would have to be strong because he would need to trust God and he would need to be courageous because a plan like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever i think if i would have saw something like take all the fighting men and go up and kick down the wall that's what we want to hear we want to hear something a little more Uh, a a little more exciting something a little more engaging but the plans that take us out of the picture and highlight God doesn't always make sense to us you see this victory didn't give glory to Joshua it gave glory to God because God was the one who tore down the walls you see when we when we follow through God's plan the New York City Church of Christ may not get the glory We may not get the praise. The Harlem region may not get a front page article in the Daily News or the Time Time Magazine saying, this church is changing the world. But God knows what you're doing. And God knows that you're following his plan. Satan was defeated because people shared their faith. You know, obedience breeds faith. And faith Breeds courage. Hebrews 11 verse 30 says that by faith the walls of Jericho fell. And after the people had marched around them for seven days. These walls will fall when we act in courage and act in faith. Every time I open my mouth to share the good news with someone, I am acting in courage. I am saying to the fear of rejection, I see you, I feel you, but I am not giving in to you. The fear of persecution, I see you, I feel you, but I am not giving in to you. And I don't always have great days. There are some days where I'll sit there and philosophically talk myself out of sharing my faith. But thanks for God's grace, you get another chance. One thing New York is not short of, and that is people. We trip over people, literally getting on the train. Getting on the bus, there's always people around us. We have to join gyms and 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 put ourselves in the in the company of people. We're surrounded by people. And yes, someone will come to church with you. Someone will sit down and let you open the Bible with them. If you be strong and courageous. You know, I think about my brother Tim Bala and welcome back, the married couple is back. thing about Tim Bala, Tim always has people out to church, always has people coming out. And you know what's amazing? is not so much that he has people coming out, that he's consistent like that. Brother has, there's a language barrier. He's not from New York. He's not from America. But that doesn't keep him from talking to people. The fear of not being able to communicate or be, that can keep some people Paralyzed. I don't speak the language. I don't know if I'm going to be clear. I don't know if I'm articulate enough. So what? Just open your mouth. Love people. And let's tear down some walls. Let's, lastly, let's look at the fall. You guys still with me? You know, I, I wish, and look, guys, I'm the kind of person that I, I always look for an easier way. Right, what's an easier, what's a more simple way to do this? And when I look and I saw the word, I'm like, man, this is God's plan. I wish there was another, I wish I could just pray people into salvation. I mean, could you imagine how many people we, we if you could just pray for somebody, Lord, save that person right there? And and it just transformed. You know what I'm saying? But we gotta make disciples. That's the plan. Right? Now, I'm not saying, please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that baptism fixes everything. It's not what I'm saying because we know we bring baggage into the kingdom. And we need help sometimes unloading our baggage, folding up all that mess, and, and carefully putting it where it needs to be. So I'm not saying people's problems will get magically fixed, but their hearts will change. When they make Jesus Lord of their life, and that is God's plan. The fall. Look at Joshua chapter 7. Now you just imagine, you just, the walls of this great city has just collapsed. You got, we're riding high. I mean, Harlem, we're like, man, we, we, we did this ridiculous thing. James came up with this idea. I don't know where he got it from. I think he said he got it from God, but it was crazy. We marched around this city, and we watched these walls fall. I mean, we are ecstatic. We are on cloud nine. We're fired up. There's nothing we can't do. But then remember that sermon where I preached about leaving the devoted things alone? And there was one person, just one, in the whole congregation. who either, Maybe he was asleep. I don't know. Maybe he was asleep. Maybe he was, you know, sharpening his spear or his sword in his tent and he just didn't hear that part of the message. I don't know. But for some reason, one guy decided to go against the plan. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, it says, But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regards to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, I mean, he broke it down to the tribe, good Lord, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to ai which is near beth Aven to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Uh, when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take, it, to take it, and do not worry all the people, for only a few men are there. I mean, Israel was confident, and rightfully so. It just had this major victory, right? So about 3,000 men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gates as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And then Joshua tore his clothes and fell down face face down to the ground and before the ark of the Lord remained in there till evening. The elders... Did the same thing and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Does that sound familiar to you? Remember when, when, when Moses said the same thing? Lord, why did you bring us out of here to die and kill us in the desert? The people said we were sitting around potting some meat. and Now we're out here starving. But look at God's reply in verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Why are you down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant when I commanded them to keep. They took, they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen, they have lied. They put them with their own possessions. This is why... The Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have not, because they have been made liable for destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever is among you that's devoted to destruction. Go consecrate the people, tell them to consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says that which is devoted among you, O Israel. You cannot stand against the enemies until you remove it. And then Joshua, in verse 20, God had Joshua narrow it down to 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 the very tribe and family that Achan belonged to. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, he's probably thinking about his wife. 200 shekels of silver and the wedge of gold 50, uh, go away 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. And for those of you who don't know the story of Achan, in verse 25, it says, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned, after they had Stoned, the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains till this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. His whole family was stoned to death. Everything he owned was stoned. That's how God dealt with sin back in those days. Ai, the name itself, ominously means the ruin. This family was ruined by sin, and it almost ruined the whole nation. You know, oftentimes, we think that our sin, or we don't realize the impact our sin has on the rest of the body. He underestimated God. He underestimated the the all-knowing, all-seeing God. And most of the time, when people continue on in their sin, it's because they have not only an absence of courage, but an absence of fear of God. You know, there is a good fear to have, a deep respect for God. And it's clear that Achan did not fear God, or else he would not have given the devoted things. Because later on, we read that God had sent, God had given them the victory, and then he told them, Now you can keep the plunder. He was going to give them something anyway. But when we don't stick to God's plan, when we rush ahead, when we think that, no, this is what what I need to do, we end up sinning against God, and it has an impact on the body. And the people that are first impacted are our families at home. There's always a temptation in the church to cover up a sinful deed or a sinful action. Now, one of the things that I appreciate about God is that nowadays he don't handle things like that. There'd be nobody left. None of us would throw a stone because we'd be thinking, well, I just blew it this morning, so you want to throw it? Jesus made that point. The sinful woman, he who's without sin, cast the first stone. So nobody would get stoned or we'd be stoning each other. Are you going to throw first? No, we got to throw at the same time, bro. I don't trust you. You ain't going to hit me in my head and I can't see straight and throw my rock at you. So on the count of three, we're going to throw this rock. You sure? I mean, how would we settle that? I wouldn't be able to throw any stones. How would we... How, so God's grace, God saw, you know what? I'm going to give them a second chance. I'm going to give them an opportunity to bounce back. And just as... Joshua and the people were able to bounce back from that victory. You and I, too, can bounce back from defeat. You see, sometimes we, we, we're tempted to rationalize our sin by thinking it's just too small to get open about. I'm not going to say anything about that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's small. I'll, I'll work. I'll repent. I'll deal with it. And we don't talk about it. But then what ends up happening is that it grows. It grows. Specifically, let's talk about deceit for a second. You know, lies and deceit have staying power. A lie can lay hidden for a very long time. And then once it's exposed, finally, the impact is so great that it would have been a lot easier to deal with had you talked about it when it was just a little lie. But now it's picked up other, other friends. It's become a community. It's become an enormous population of lies. Now you got one lie covering up another lie over another lie, and you, you keep track. You, you, you lose track of all the lies. Psalm 34 verse 12 says, Whoever loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Someone once said, A lie may take care of the present, But it has no future. John Gotti once said, I never lie because I don't fear anyone. You only lie when you're afraid. Tad Williams said this, uh, and this is a pretty powerful quote. We tell lies when we're afraid. Afraid of what we don't know. Afraid of what others will think. Afraid of what will be found out about us. But every time we tell a lie, The thing that we fear grows stronger. And then lastly, Abraham Lincoln once said, no man has a good enough memory to make a successful liar. Have you ever been caught in a lie? I think I'd almost rather be shot in the arm. I remember being caught in a lie when I was in high school. I was dating two girls. And one found out about the other, and I tried to cover it up and act as if everything was good. And she said, shouldn't you be with so-and-so? I was like, who is so? And she just gave me that look like, really? You're going to lie? And I just had this sick feeling in my stomach, you know, that Pepto-Bismol can't get rid of. And it just stays with you all the way till you get home. And it's just like, man, you know, I don't like this feeling. When I got baptized 20 years ago, I was so excited that I didn't have to lie anymore. I could go to sleep. I didn't have to worry about what did I say. I mean, I got caught so many times. There was one guy who told me, he said, Jack, you said that you did I was like, dude, I didn't say that. He said, Jack, did he call somebody? Oh, see, don't you remember when James was telling that story and he said this? he said, yeah, yeah, he did. I said, yo, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. And I honestly couldn't remember. But here I am going, and he's got, yo, man, it bothered him the whole day. One of my coworkers from the post office, he's like, yo, man, you said that. You you said it. (laughs) Like, he just couldn't believe how outrageous a liar I was. And I couldn't believe that I forgot what I said to him. It doesn't feel good, does it? Is there something you need to get open about? Is there something in your life you need to be honest about? I encourage you to first go to God in prayer. Confess your sin before God. And then talk to some brother or sister that you can trust and ask them to pray for you. It doesn't help keeping it hidden. There's nobody here who can look down on you. We all got our own stuff to deal with. And as, as, a, as a church, as a community of believers, we need to make this place safe for people to be able to talk about their struggles. Without having to worry about if my business is going to be over here, am I going to read or get an accidental tweet about what I told this? I mean, we don't, that doesn't foster openness. Now, there are times we need to get advice on how to help, but even then you need to ask if it's okay that you get advice. Hey, you know what? This is above my pay grade. Would you mind if I get some input about this? Because trust is so fragile. But the truth is so refreshing. It's so refreshing. It takes courage to bounce back from sin. It takes courage To admit when we've fallen. You know, all the people who've come back, who've walked away from God, who've made their way back, have had to be courageous. They've had to fight. Well, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? And their love for God is the thing that got them through the door. And we need to rejoice with the angels when our brothers and sisters bounce back from sin and not hold it over their heads. It takes courage to tell the truth. It takes courage to speak about how you feel. You know, in Joshua's day, people got stoned. But today, God is gracious and forgiving. But I want to encourage you to come clean. Like cowardice, there are other sins that often go unconfessed. And I'll say this to shut up. Sometimes, you know, a good friend of mine once told me that if it doesn't leave your mouth, it doesn't leave your heart. And chances are, if we're not talking about these sins, the chances are you're not repenting of them. Doubt. Doubt is sin. Doubt, Doubting God, faithlessness. Jesus rebuked his disciples often for not believing. How often do you confess that? Jealousy. Treachery. That's just another word for deceitfulness. Greed. How often have you confessed greed? Man, I went out and I bought something I know I didn't need or could afford. Bro, I was just being greedy. I think we rationalize. I work hard. I deserve it. Nobody's doubting that. But can you afford it? Do you need it? Because if not, then maybe you're just being a little greedy. Right? We need to get open. Malice, evil thoughts towards others. You cannot tell me that a malicious thought has not crossed your mind when you look on the news and see what's happening in our society. But you see, these things should inspire us to pray more, to be more evangelistic, to not withhold the good news, but to be more evangelistic. To be more prayerful. To be more loving. The darker the day, the brighter the church. The darker it gets, the more brighter we got to shine. Because we are a beacon of hope to the rest of the world. But if we act like the world, then what hope does the world have? We're not called to live like the world. We're called to be different. We're called to be men and women of courage. Men and women who bounce back. You know, I love the reaction, the response, the results of Joshua facing his wall and him facing the fall. It gave him more faith and more confidence. The next time he went out to battle in Joshua 10, 12 through 14, you can read that later. It says that on the day of the Lord, he gave the Amorites over. Joshua said to the Lord, O son, stand still over Gibeon. O oh oh moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Joshua. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely... The Lord was fighting for Israel. You can't tell me the same thing cannot be said about us. Because he was strong, because he was courageous, it spilled over into his faith, it spilled over into his prayers. And God listened to him and broke down those walls. Church, courageous, courage is contagious. It's infectious. It's attainable. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? Power and self-discipline. Let's go out and let's be strong. Let's be courageous. These walls will fall to God be the glory.